Welcome everyone to Read and Repeat Podcast. My name is Juliana and this is my twin sister Taylor and this is the podcast where we talk about books that we read when we were younger and discuss them from our perspective now as adults? Question mark. So today we are talking about Stormbreaker or Alex Rider Stormbreaker. Stormbreaker. The first book in the Alex Rider series. By Anthony Horowitz. Spoiler alert, we will be talking about specifics, so if you haven't read the book, feel free to uh, do that first and then come back or just listen along with us uh, while we chat about it. Um, so quick summary, Stormbreaker is about 14-year-old Alex Ryder who uh, lives in London, I, I think, London, somewhere in London, with his uncle and uh, their live-in maid? Housekeeper? Housekeeper. They, I think they call her housekeeper. And then his uncle dies under mysterious circumstances, after which Alex is forced to uh, work as a spy for MI6 and uh, take down this scary tech guy CEO and his nefarious plot to... Uh, Obliterate. Ser yeah. Seriously. <laughs> the population yeah. of England. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much. Exactly. So that's, that's the basis that we're starting from. Um, it's like James Bond for children. Yeah. As far as I understand, because I've actually never seen a James Bond film all the way through. Yeah, me neither. So, yeah, actually to, to start off, I'd like to, to state that I'm, I'm very, I'm not really knowledgeable about like the spy genre, aside from like the basic stereotypes that I'm aware of in terms of how that usually goes and you know it's usually parodied a lot in different kinds of media whether it's a spy like movie or novel or not so like that's really my own my only frame of reference for it I haven't read a lot of spy novels and I have not seen like I said no James Bond nothing like that so that's the perspective at which I'm coming at this book from so just be aware of that yeah and I would say Alex Ryder is my entire perspective on the spy genre. I've read almost the whole series, but that's pretty much it. So we read this book, um, I guess around when we were in sixth grade, like middle school. Yeah, somewhere in middle school. Um, I don't remember when it was published. I don't know if it was published around then or if it's a bit older than that. I don't if it is older. I don't think it's much older. Yeah, it might be but early, early 2000s, 2000s yeah. for sure. Um, so out the, the first book of the Alex Rider series is Stormbreaker, and that is the one that I remembered the most out of the whole series. I don't think I had read more than maybe three or four books from the series, but I do remember reading Stormbreaker when I was around 11-ish, and I do not think that I loved it back mm -hmm. then. I don't think I hated it, but I think I was kind of ambivalent about it. I remember reading the books because I think you were reading them. Maybe you yeah. read them first. I and think I did. I think at that time, I kind of wanted to see, like, to try reading something that was outside of the genres that I usually read and get something that was a little bit different. And I just don't think that it super connected with me as much as I wanted it to. And I remember at the time kind of forcing myself to keep reading some of the books because I, I really wanted to like them and enjoy them, but I just didn't really, they didn't grab me that much. And so then reading them this time around, it was interesting to 
to come at it from a different perspective because even though I wouldn't say I enjoyed them more, enjoyed it more, <laughs> I feel like I got more out of the experience of reading it just because mm-hmm. I was actually like looking at it for from the perspective of, of yeah. discussing it on the podcast. Yeah. So that was nice, but yeah, it wasn't really my thing then. It wasn't really my thing now. <laughs> I really liked it when I first read it. And this is also the only book that I actually remember details of. I Maybe that's because there's also a movie of it. Um, <laughs> the, the movie, um, dare I say, worse than the book. Not that the book is bad, but... Um, actually, I don't know. We, we have to watch it again. Because I... I'm not sure. I don't know. I feel like I've watched it recently enough where I'm like, yeah, this this is not very good. But, I mean, still fun and enjoyable because it's bad. But if you're looking for a good movie... Anyway, I digress. So, I mostly feel like I liked it because uh, one of our friends read it. And so, I read it because he was reading it. And then I read, like, most of the rest of the series until they weren't coming out. And by the time they did come out, I had lost interest. Um, But I remember reading Stormbreaker, like, over a few times because... When a new book would come out, like, I'd start the series over because they were, like, relatively quick reads. Um, I think I mostly liked it because of our friend who liked it. Now, going back to it, I'm like, it was much harder to get through than I thought. It's a pretty quick read, but, for example, we were going to record this, like, a month ago, but we didn't. And so I figured, okay, I'll reread the book for this recording. And I started to do that, and I just couldn't. It was. It's not. It wasn't meant for me to reread that close <laughs> in time, like a month in between. Um, so I didn't. I didn't reread it. So if this is a little bit choppy, that could be why. But I feel like I have a strong enough base for what we're going to talk about that I. It's okay. Yeah, and and just to clarify, like to add on to that, um, we're both rereaders of things. Like yeah. Maybe not to the same degree. I, I think, think every single book we've talked about. We've, We've read, read multiple, multiple times. times. Yeah, I know some people are the other side of the coin and don't reread anything, or you know, there's varying degrees of the willingness people have to reread things. We are definitely rereaders. Yeah. This podcast is not just picking up books that we've only read once ever. I yeah. think I've probably reread Stormbreaker back in the day, even like I don't know for sure, but I feel like it's quite possible that I did, even if I wasn't a big fan of it. Yeah, it might actually be. If, it, if there's one book that we've read so far that I haven't reread since in between then and, and now. It's probably this one. It's probably yeah. this one, but I might have even reread this one. Yeah. Um, so it's not even that, like, we're just not into rereading things. It's it's that it just wasn't meant yeah. to be re-read, reread that close no, <laughs> together. No, it wasn't. It wasn't. And there are, because there are some books I love so much, I'll finish it and then I'll just start it over from the beginning. Yeah. Like, especially when I was younger, I would do that. So, yeah. This one, not... not yeah. Not so much. Which was like, I, I don't think I felt like it was that boring on the first reread. I did feel like, oh, this is not as exciting to me as I remember. Like, it, you know, and we'll talk a little bit more about why. It was really the second read through where I was like, this is, this is boring to me right now. I just read this. I don't want to keep going. <laughs> that is kind of the word. Like, boring and and I didn't necessarily I was I was like I don't necessarily want to lead with that because then it's like oh is this going to be a boring episode where we yeah. talk about a boring book and I don't think so I don't There's think so definitely interesting parts and interesting things to say about it I think you can pull that in you can dig into a lot of why it's boring or why we find it boring yeah too because that's the thing is everything's so subjective it's like what 
is the book maybe not giving us that we actually prefer yeah. in books? And since this podcast is kind of meant to be more of like a personal analysis that we're doing, you know, as opposed to we're not reviewing books and we're not um, trying to objectively find like yeah. their quality, define their quality or not. Like really what we're doing is like, okay, how do we feel about it? What is it giving us? What is it not giving us? And I think in this case, it wasn't giving a lot. It wasn't giving a lot. <laughs> and I think like when I was younger, it was fine. I didn't have any issues with it. I think again, that was colored by like, you know, I was reading it with people. Joanna read it. My friend read it. Like, you know, there's a little bit more. You can like discuss it with yeah. people and you can. Well, I'm not even sure we did, but like. Find just, it like, interesting that someone else read it. So yeah. you get some insight into things that they like. Yeah. I think now. Yeah, it's fine. So All let's right. get into the first line, as we usually do. When the doorbell rings at three in the morning, it's never good news. And then I'll just continue in the yeah, next but that paragraph. Yeah, that is the first line, and it's its own paragraph. Yeah. Alex Ryder was woken by the first chime. His eyes flickered open, but for a moment he stayed completely still in his bed, lying on his back with his head resting on the pillow. He heard a bedroom door open and a creak of wood as somebody went downstairs the bell rang a second time and he looked at the digital alarm clock glowing beside him there was a rattle as someone slid the security chain off the front door and it basically continues to describe him getting out of bed to listen in on whatever's going on uh at the front door and obviously from that beginning statement you you get the sense of foreboding yeah. That something bad has happened. I actually think it's a pretty good first line. It is a pretty good first line. I think it sets a tone that maybe isn't really built upon. No, it's Throughout seems, the rest of yeah. the novel. It seems but it, like it's going to be emotional, dark, like, yeah. kind of almost gritty. Yeah, because you get the sense, okay, when the doorbell rings at, what, three in the morning? Yeah. It's never good news. So you know, okay, someone's probably died. Yeah. <laughs> uh, or is missing or something like that. And so, yeah, it turns out that um, Alex, who lives with his uncle because his parents were killed in a plane crash when he was a baby, um, is finding out now that his uncle has been killed in a car crash. And so it feels like you said, like it's going to be emotionally dark yeah. and kind of gritty. And in the sense that it's a spy novel where a 14-year-old boy is employed by MI6 and like chemical warfare is involved and it's an intense plotline in that way it is a bit dark and gritty but it doesn't the emotionality of it fades away like right yeah. away after this part basically yeah. i mean even though he says he's sad about his uncle's death he says it <laughs> there's there's not a lot of so like obviously this is, this is told in third person yeah but from alex's perspective and it it just doesn't it doesn't feel like it's a distant third person in the sense that you don't feel like there's a narrator's voice that is making judgments on the characters that's almost separate from the characters like when it's a distant third person you kind of feel like the narrator almost becomes a character right. in a way it's definitely not that it's not that it's a close third person but we still don't get a lot of insight into Alex's like thoughts yeah. or his feelings or his psyche frankly actually i think the most attachment we see is to his bike uh in a very two two one or two throwaway lines um where he's riding his bike to 
somewhere. Oh, he's riding his bike to school, I think. And he's, you know, talking, he's thinking about like how sad he'll be when he outgrows it. I don't even remember that part. <laughs> that's just so, both, because I, I did get to that, past that part for my second read through as well. And both times it stood out to me where I was like, wow, he is sad about his bike and thinking, already thinking about how he might outgrow this. But I mean, I don't see him thinking much deeper about anything else, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I, you know what? Okay, now I think I remember. Because that. now he, he's, yeah. he's thinking about, you know, he's not just thinking about how much he likes the bike. He's already thinking about how he's going to feel when he loses it in some undetermined point in the future. And I guess, probably, I don't remember the whole setup for like him thinking that. You it can... was almost no setup. So if if you were going to really, if you were going to, if this story was a more emotionally connected story, what that might be is like a connection between like Alex, Alex dealing with the loss of his uncle by considering how everything that he has is eventually yeah. going to, he's going to grow it, he's going to lose it, it's yeah. change. In theory, that is a... Thematically sound Yeah, and, and that would make sense. I don't see that that's what that was, but maybe. Yeah, it doesn't, yeah, I don't think because it is. Because he doesn't really deal with his uncle's death in any way. Wait, he doesn't. It's very <laughs> detached... He it, is very detached from I don't everything. know if it ever describes it. Does it mention if he cries at all or no? I don't think he I does. I don't think it does. But I even if I it did, it, it wouldn't... Like, I feel like it would have just been like, oh, he cried just because, like, that's what you're supposed to do. Yeah, like, that's probably... Or like that, that probably is what it would have been. But, but no, there was, he's very stoic and, like, There's just quiet no, no emotional language. No. We don't... It's the interesting thing is it reads like he was made to be a spy, and there is a little bit of of I guess, for lack of a better word, discussion around that where his he, you learn about how his uncle was seemingly training him to be a spy without training him, like making sure he knew martial arts, um, a few other things that I don't remember. I think there were a few other things that he mentioned, like oh he realized his uncle was you know training him to be a spy this whole time but I don't think that that has to do with the lack of emotion or lack of connection that Alex has to other people which is what makes him an ideal spy. Let's back up a little bit yeah. and actually give some more context to how he starts off the novel and like how the, the spies he gets into the spy stuff yeah. and how that all transpires so basically we we figure out that at the beginning of the novel you know Ian Ryder, his uncle, has died. He doesn't know at this point that his uncle was a spy. He does feel some kind of, like, there's an emphasis on there's weird circumstances around his death. Supposedly he wasn't wearing a seatbelt. But, but that was one of the things he always did was wear a seatbelt, and he made sure Alex always wore a seatbelt. So immediately Alex is like, something feels off. weird here. I don't get it. Yeah. And um, Jack Albright... Right? Is that mm -hmm. her name? I don't remember her last name. Jack something. Is the housekeeper. Um, is her, like, but she's also like a 27-year-old like student, yeah, I think. she's some student And in she's England, just and employed she's by the household, and she has a visa. She's from America. Because remember, we're in England. Um, and uh, she is the only person left to basically take care of him. So the only connection that he has at all in the novel. And she doesn't, she's not there for she's most of it. hardly in it at all. Um barely has any kind of establishment or personality, but she's just, like, the only family, basically, he has left, um, in a sense. And so, 
basically we go through like Ian's funeral, Alex being kind of like sus about it, and then and, well, because like the people who show up, like because supposedly his uncle was in banking, and the people he show who show up are Alex is like they're kind of weird for bankers. Why does that one guy have a gun? Like what's going on? But he's and he's confused by it, but he's also like not. He's not like shocked or like he's like curious, but he's not like. And not in like a deep way. He's just like he notices it. Yeah, in a like detached way. Yes, very detached. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then something makes him investigate it because some weird things start happening where people come and clean out his uncle's office in yeah. their home, and the company that comes and cleans it out is the same company that I think he saw at the funeral or something like yeah. that. There was like a, a van, a van, saw a van there down the street. That it just is not making yeah. sense to him. He's like, why is the bank having people clean out his office? Yeah. And um, it's weird because obviously he's invested enough to go look into it. But you don't yeah. feel like he's... He, you don't feel like he's being driven by some kind of, oh, I, I need to, find I need out to what figure this to out uncle. because I miss my uncle and I'm devastated and yeah. I'm grieving and I'm trying to figure it's it out. It's more like these... Puzzle pieces don't fit. Let's see what's going yeah, on. Yeah, he's just so emotionally detached. Shrug. <laughs> and, like, again, like, this is a 14-year-old boy. Yeah. And he doesn't behave like one at all or think like one at all. So there was one point where he also said, like, or he thought to himself, because most of it is, I mean, there's definitely dialogue, but there's a lot of, you know, Alex thought or whatever. Um, and there's one point where he thinks to himself that he rather be out on the soccer pitch or something and i'm like really that's the only mention i think we get of his interest in well yeah we 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 were told multiple times that he's very physically fit he uh his uncle made sure that he's trained in martial arts he's like an outdoorsy person who's gone hiking and stuff he plays sports but we get no description of him being part of any team we get no description of him having any relationships or friendships in school the closest thing we get to that is, I think, a reference to some bullies yeah. that once picked on him, but then because he knows martial arts, he scared them off, and, and that's it. One, one of them, one of them changed schools. Yeah, and then the other two never picked on anybody ever again. So but we, obviously, we get he no, those guys up. no names of yeah, <laughs> no names of classmates. No, no, no friends, no friends. Friends. Jack is his only friend, and again, he seems concerned about her on such a superficial level. Like, and on the one hand, it's like. He's mostly concerned about her losing her visa and having to go back to America. And he's concerned about it from that would suck for her and also that would suck for me, but not because like, oh no, Jack is my only family now. Like, and we have grown so close over the years that she's been here. Like, what would I do without her? She... There's barely any like deep, there's not really a deep establishment of their relationship. They have some dialogue back and forth, but there's not a lot of like, banter or established traditions that they have with each other i will say the movie does does definitely she's in it a lot more there are some things i can remember that the movie does that i want to talk about especially later on just like because it does bring in some things that i think we're missing from the plot that could have given it more of an emotional core yeah i have to imagine that this maybe is a staple of the genre 
Very possible. Because it feels like this is very much meant to be like a basic, and, and again, if there's any like spy novel experts out there Ooh, who have a lot of thoughts of it us. from that perspective, yeah, totally go for it. If, if I mean, I do feel like from what I've heard about the original like James Bond books, besides the fact that they're violently racist and misogynist, is that um, it? I think he is a very like detached kind of character, detached, like, above it all, kind of. Yeah, and I would say Alex is probably a better character, definitely a better character in many ways than what I imagined the original James Bond to be from what I've heard. But also, but, unless I don't know, are the James Bond books? Yes, they're gonna have to be. Ian okay. is the author. Oh, duh. okay. Oh, maybe is that why it's Ian Ryder? His name's Ian, right? The, uh, the uncle. I think so. I mean, maybe. Oh, maybe it's like a. Like a, a nod to that okay it's possible well um, yeah because I, I and I, I think I read like one of the author's notes or something like that that you know it, it is meant to be like James Bond but yeah for for kids like so. so he does decide to investigate what's going on even though it seems like he's barely interested <laughs> um he's not emotionally invested in it at least in like anything yeah, at all in anything at all but so he goes and he tracks down his uncle like he's like okay where might my uncle's car be that he was driving in when he got into this accident right and so he's looking through a phone book um which definitely dates this book which is pretty funny i didn't like that's not something that like stood out to me but like as i'm saying it he's looking in a phone book i'm like yeah that's pretty funny um <laughs> so alex is looking through a phone book and he's trying to find some name that might be might indicate to him like well he's looking for a junkyard that's gonna be close to the area of the accident but then he sees a, a name, Stryker and Sons, which is the name he saw on the van and somewhere else um, that was associated with like the, the bank clearing out his uncle's uh, office and all that. So he was like, this one, this is the one I'm going to go to. Sure enough, he bikes over there. He finds his uncle's car and that's where he sees, oh, those aren't uh, like that didn't get crumpled or anything. It looks fine. Like the car actually there are bullet holes on the side. His uncle is killed by bullets. And so now he's like, well, that's not what the police said. That's not what the bank said. Why are they lying? But then before he can think about it too much further, and this this part, this is maybe the part in the book that gets me the most, is he, someone is coming, he hears someone coming. So he jumps inside the car. And then while he's inside the car, it's picked up by a claw and dropped into the thing that's gonna like like the compressor the compressor that, like, thing that's crushes gonna crush the car. Yeah. yeah and so like he's getting crushed by this thing and like it, I will say this is the most tense point in the book I think um, because I'm like he's dead like <laughs> <laughs> this kid I think maybe that's what it is every point after this is like his ghost um, yeah because <laughs> it doesn't like first of all when the, it gets like the claw picks it up, it gets crumpled enough so like his leg gets stuck. He can't even feel it. Then it gets. I was like, oh yeah, his leg is like destroyed or yeah. something. He he's like got no feeling and it's like okay maybe I guess it just pinched a nerve in a way so that yeah. they caused no damage. But like anyway, when it gets released, he's fine. So he's in the scar. His leg he can't feel his leg. It gets dropped in this thing and then it starts getting compressed and like somehow his leg does get free 
but he, it describes it as like he sees this like the back window is like all gone so he's gonna try to get out through the back window and it, it describes it as like seeing this like his window shrinking like smaller and smaller as he's trying to get out of there and i'm like cars are not that big like that that window shrinking like and he's watching it shrink before he's even up there i'm like it's gone it's closed like he's freaking crushed in this car there is quite a bit of claustrophobia in that. Like, yes, it gives, whole me that. it gives me so much anxiety. And that's the thing. Well, it, it might not be always realistic in the way it's described. The fact that you felt something in that no, scene I, and can passionately describe it, maybe that's one of the stronger. I definitely think so. I think there are writing. a few. There are a few points of tension or you know okay I'm sure he's gonna get out of this but what's gonna happen like you know they're in the action. Yes. And so, yeah. yeah, I feel like if there's anywhere, and maybe this is obvious, that this kind of <laughs> novel would, would be more focused on the tension and the action right. than on, like, the, emotion. the emotions and the character development. And and maybe we are just used to reading a lot of books where the characters have a lot of emotions. Yeah. And that's the focus. <laughs> and that's where, like, there was sometimes a temptation to be a little bit kind of, like, just just sprinkle my nose a little bit at yeah. like the lack of emotionality and like the how how shallow the story feels at times but I don't want to be that harsh because I also know it just might not be for me yeah. and it might not be what I'm looking for in a story and now I do feel like there are some aspects we'll discuss later on that are, are definitely open to critique yeah um and I think do come down to maybe a more simplistic story that's happening here that that there, there is expansion that could be done. It could be a better story. It could go in deeper. I think it could do a lot of things better. But, like, at the end of the day, I also just think it's not giving what I usually want to get yeah. Yeah. from a book. Yeah. Um, yeah, and we'll get, like you said, we'll get more into things. But I guess for now, we'll continue along our, our meandering story. So from there... Well, he gets out, so he gets out of yeah. the, the car. He manages to, like... He does, by some miracle that, you know, does not... his do. way through and, yeah. like, oh, I can, you know, whatever. Um, it, it, we get the idea that he's very, like, he's a very physically capable and intelligent yeah. person. And um, he can, you know, he, he manages to get away by the skin of his teeth. And I think people witness him, like, yes. getting away or something like One that. One of the men... He sees one of the men, he sees the guy he remembers from the funeral who had a gun, who was with the bank people. And so that guy sees him and does shoot at him, um, but he gets away. Oh, he, he fights them, doesn't he? Does he? Yes. He kicks the guy in the chest, um, uh. and, I, and it causes him pain a couple days later as well. So, like, he, like, is able to quickly, you know, fight them off with his martial arts skills enough for him to like run, get on his bike and go. And like, they don't follow him and it's fine. But at this point, that's what now the bank bank, um, has him on their radar. Yeah. Um, and so let's like fast forward a bit and talk about MI6. Yeah. Um, so eventually all of this, I don't even remember something else might happen, but wait, yeah, he, we're going to talk about the flagpole thing. He gets called into the bank office and he still thinks it's a bank at this time. And they bring him in, and he walks past his uncle's office, and he's like, can I go in there? The guy says, no, it's locked. My office is right next door. That guy gets a phone call, like, two minutes into their conversation. He leaves. Alex is like, 
I want to see if I can get into my uncle's office. Doors locked, just like they said it would be. So he goes back into the guy's office and is like, I bet I could get there from the outside. You would think, oh, maybe he could, there's a ledge you can crawl along and then go in through the window. Apparently not. Apparently there's not a continuous ledge because he has to jump to the flagpole. I'm not even sure how many stories above ground, but like pretty freaking high. And then jump from the flagpole to his uncle's office window. And he's able to do that. <laughs> and another thing, it's one of those flagpoles that sticks out from the building, like diagonally kind of. Or is it one that's like up and down? You know what? I don't know now. I thought it was an up and down one. And that's I was why... imagine, imagining a vertical one. But I was also like, even though I don't actually know, I've, I've not like studied flagpoles that stick out from buildings, but like- I'd I imagine just, that's not sturdy enough. I would imagine yeah. it's not sturdy enough. So I I was having trouble visualizing this part. Okay, well, I was imagining him jumping to a pole, flagpole, like, and like jumping on off that onto the other. So now I I'm I think it's sure. one of that's attached to the building. I imagine okay, that okay. would make more sense. Cause then he like swing, he could swing from it and then like- Yeah, I thought he was just swinging from like the uh, rope or whatever from the- Maybe. Maybe, maybe, but uh, yours probably makes more sense. That's a little less fantastical. Still crazy to do, but less fantastical. So kind of makes more sense. And also makes more sense why he was like, I hope people don't see this. And I was like, I don't see how people are not going to see this. It, maybe if there's one sticking out from the building, it's a little different. Um, anyway, he still does jump from the ledge to a flagpole to the other ledge and then get inside the room. And so that's where he starts going through his uncle's But arms. it's also weird how he decides to do this. Yeah. Because it's like, he doesn't, at this point, he doesn't like, it's not like he feels like there are like really big, he doesn't know the stakes yeah. fully yet. He's just like, he well, I want to get into, in the bank. he just like, I want to get into my uncle's office. So I guess I'll just jump out a window and risk certain because death. Because that's what 14 year old kids do. Yeah, and it's like, it's just like, if it, again, if we had more of an emotional attachment where it's like, he's so desperate to know right. what happened to his uncle that he doesn't even think about the consequences. Right. He doesn't care about the consequences of jumping out of a window. But no, we just kind of feel like yeah, he's not, not really is. thinking about anything. Like, he's not feeling anything. He's just kind of like doing what he, yeah. the story needs him to do. I yeah. don't know. Yeah. <laughs> um. So anyway, so then that's where now they... Well, okay, that's not where they reveal that they are actually MI6 because they decide to drug him and bring him <laughs> to an entirely different location in the countryside um, where yeah. he wakes up and is served lamb. No, what is he served? Mutton? What is he served? I don't know, something like that. It doesn't matter. He I didn't, didn't, he didn't eat it. I hate when characters don't eat. I know. <laughs> anyway, that's where they decide to tell him that they're MI6 and that his uncle was a spy. And oh, by the way, we could really use your assistance and um, you don't have to help us, but also if you don't, Jack is gonna lose her visa and have to go back to uh, the United States. And, and also we own we, you. And we're gonna send you to a pretty shitty boarding school. Yeah. Um, and it's gonna suck. He's like, basically we own, the, well he, so there's two people I think in the room, mm -hmm. Alan Blunt, who's an agent, and then Dr. Jones? I don't remember either of their names. I don't know if she's yeah. Dr. Jones. Sounds There's right. a, a man right. and a woman. And here's the thing. MI6 fully feel like villains in this story. They really do. Like, they are not set up to be, like, good people at all. They're yeah. like, yeah, we're straight up just gonna blackmail this 14-year-old boy into helping us. 
on the same mission that his uncle died on. By yeah, the way. yeah. <laughs> and fun. Alex is kind of like not he's about not into it. it. He's not. He doesn't want to do it. He's a very unwilling person but he's also just kind of resigned to his fate because he's like well i'm a 14 year old boy they have full control over me yeah. i don't have a choice so he's he's not thrilled about it but he doesn't have he's not like trying to fight it he's not a very again he's not emotional he doesn't get angry he doesn't get sad he he just doesn't barely get scared there's times when it, the, the 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 narration says that he's scared yeah I think that's the only time, the only emotion I can really remember coming up. Like, I don't remember anger or sadness really coming up that much. But there's times when it's, it says that he's scared in, like, a moment or something like that. Yeah. Uh, a moment Which of... Which always surprised me, too. I was yeah. Like, really? But there's not a lot of description into the experience of the fear. Mm -hmm. Um... Or, or we don't, we're not taken through that journey. It's, it's just so detached. And yeah. we'll... we'll We'll, we'll probably say it a million more times before yeah. this is over, but it's just something missing there, man. So from there, he basically agrees to do it, and Alan Blunt describes the mission, um, and he does that by talking about this guy, Herod Sale. Is that how you pronounce it? Yeah, H-E-R-O-D-S-A-Y-L-E. Herod yeah. Sale. So, I, yeah, I say Herod Sale. And um, who's... Alex recognizes the name because he's this big, rich tech guy who's done a lot of, I don't remember what his claim to fame was, but he's just been very successful. So Blunt starts giving him this whole backstory about how Herod was a child in Egypt and his family was very poor and he had like 13 brothers. And one day he saved a rich English couple from a falling piano as one does mm. and they were so grateful that they adopted him but like not really but they brought him to the united states and like sponsored him and to he went england. to england sorry they brought him to england <laughs> um thank you they brought him to england and he went to school and he was in school with the prime minister at the time in this book and uh now they think he's doing something with these computers that he's going to distribute to all of uh, England or this all like all of the school children in England, um, but they're not sure what it is, and so that's what Ian Ryder was investigating. But then then he got killed, and so now they need Alex to go do it. And I forget if they have at this point a good reason to think that. I think we do learn that they know that he's been seen with like Yasin Grigorovich, yeah, the assassin, but they don't tell Alex. Yeah, they don't tell Alex so it kind of just seems like the way they set it up, they're like, yeah, we don't think that this guy is actually trying to be altruistic and give all these yeah. high tech computers to all these schools for free for a good reason. We're suspicious of him and we just want you to look into him because we have a feeling it's well bad. I think they had a feeling it was bad. Then Ian so Ian was sent to look into it. Then he called them and was like, I found something. We can't let this happen. But then he got killed on his way back to tell them. Yeah. So then that's why they're like, oh, we do think that there's something now. But, like, they didn't really have a reason. And the story about Herod Sale is, like, <laughs> definitely vaguely racist. There's a lot one could say about yeah. how it's set up. But, but even from the first, like, it gets worse. It does get worse. But... Even from that first setup, his story just feels like a cartoonish yeah, example of what... Yeah, it's definitely a cartoonish what, example of what uh, British people would imagine yeah. poor people in other countries to be. Also, like, just falling... I mean, not even... Like, 
saving someone from a falling piano just feels like a such a cartoonish story, you know? <laughs> like it doesn't feel like a very yeah. imaginative story. So it just feels like very surface level. Yeah. Very and I think that and the, the way that they're telling it too is is like this foreigner who came over is so successful, something's off. Like <laughs> this foreigner who came over is not trustworthy and can yeah. possibly be altruistic and actually want to and do something. Spoiler alert, his plan is actually very bad and very <laughs> evil. Like, <laughs> like, make no mistake. Yeah, it actually is. <laughs> but they had really no reason to know that, you know? It doesn't, it does, It. I think, yeah, it feels like, so, so we'll, when we meet Harry Sale for real and we, his character is more established, he really does end up feeling like a very cartoonish yes, stereotype of yes. a villain in a way that it, it comes across as racist because honestly, intentional or not, it does feel like the classic spy, like maybe like James Bond, like classic thing of like making just shorthand for, for making someone's, uh, someone from another culture, a shorthand for the other. Yeah. And, and that happens with his, his sidekicks too. Yes. They're all the way that they're described, the traits that they have. It's just the very basic, like, shorthand for other that you see in a lot of, like, I, well, uh, from what things I've heard about, like, James Bond movies, like, it's just, like, this, those stereotypes yeah. that you don't necessarily, like, the author might not have even put a lot of thought into that and what that means because it's just how that was often portrayed. Yeah. And, which is not to say that that makes it okay, but it does feel like, that's why it feels like there's not even a lot of thought put yeah. into the characters, why it feels very surface level and just kind of cartoonish. Um, but we haven't met Herod Sale yet at this point, so we'll talk about him a little bit more. Yeah, I don't know how much we need to talk about the training camp, because yeah, it shows Alex's character as, like, a think, good person, I think is the intent, because uh, he gets... MI6 trains guys, like, I think it's all guys. I didn't hear anything about any woman. There's, there's like, only three women in this book, and two of them are pretty not great. There's so. actually, well, they, they they talk about the reason why they want to send a 14-year-old boy in. Yeah. Instead of, like, um, another agent. And basically part of it is, like, probably because they don't want to expend another, like, yeah, fully grown want, yeah. man. But also because Herod Sale did this competition, and um, to have a uh, teenager come in and test his new computers before he sends them out to schools, and someone who is, like, a similarly, like, average-looking white male one so, yeah. around so Alex's age. so they Alex can... is able to just sneak in there and they're going to yeah. give the other kid a consolation prize. Yeah, and Easy. because and oh, Alex is, is perfect because he doesn't have a lot of connections or friends. People aren't going to miss him. He's under the thumb of MI6 now because his uncle, basically, like, he's under their, like, his, yeah. his, his fate is basically determined by them. He doesn't have anyone protecting him. And... You know, he fits this, you know, the image of this boy that that was going to go to Herod Sale anyway. So, like, it's perfect. Yeah. And they, there's also a part, though, where they said, we thought about sending in a woman to pretend they to be a that. maid. They did say that, yeah. And and they're, like, listing the different, like, oh, we had Ian pretend to be a security officer. We could have sent a woman in to pretend to be a maid. But, you know, that it just would have, it would have stuck out more. Yeah. And it's just, uh, it just like, it's just the simplistic, yeah. it just feels like, again, like the stereotypes of like, mm -hmm. the only way we could imagine sending it's, a woman is yeah. if she pretends to be a maid. Instead of aggressively misogynistic, it's just, 
vaguely misogynistic, I guess. Yeah. But definitely still. Again, it just feels like stereotypes like, Stere stereotypes. like which 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 are are often the result of just lazy shorthand you yeah, know as opposed yeah. to more imaginative deeper yeah. thinking because whether you're intentionally discounting minority groups or different or people of different backgrounds or not like whether you, you're thinking about that like consciously if you're just pulling from like what you expect yeah. of, from the genre or what you even just expect from real life you're like just clearly not thinking deeply yeah. about it and that it just feels like that in the book and yes. i don't want to i don't want ever want our conversations to be about like specifically the character of any of the authors that we're talking yeah, about so I, i'm not yeah. trying to make any like blanket statements about the author of these books i don't know and i have not looked deeply into the author and anything like that but this is just kind of the vibe it's giving to us from yes. our perspective now yeah. with the knowledge that we have now. yeah and like I didn't necessarily get that vibe when I first read it I mean not that that doesn't still have an impact on children who read it but I think it also is like you know if you're writing for children you probably aren't necessarily looking for the nuance you're looking for the, the easy like simple the tropes of the genre yeah you know but it, it um, just feels like Alex is very much the default white yeah. male, yeah, middle class Brit. Sounds like upper middle class, but upper probably middle not like crazy. Yeah, just like, and 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 he's meant to be like the everyman. Where of course, in reality, that is not the everyman. Like that's <laughs> that's um, meant to be considered the default because of the, you know, yeah. we won't get into the nuances of yeah. Let's uh, keep moving on because I know we were going to try to make this a shorter yeah, yeah, one. And yeah, I, okay. I can see it not being that. Um, okay, so he goes, MI6 has a training camp that they run for all these guys that they train. And so they stick Alex in for like a three-week boot camp because the competition doesn't start for like three and a half weeks. Or, or the, the prize where the guy gets to go check out the computers doesn't start for like three and a half weeks. So he's in this training camp and like he's put with a set of four guys and like they all hate him for some reason, basically just because he's there. Um, and that's it. And there's this one guy, Wolf, who hates him more than the other guys and intentionally sabotages him. But whatever. Alex is just like, literally, whatever. He doesn't like it, but he's also like, I just got to get through it. Like, he doesn't get like angry. No. And then, or and I think, upset, this, is, I think this is included because, well, one, in theory, it makes sense for MI6 to, like, train him. But, two, I think it's also meant to show his character because towards the end of the training, they all have to do a jump out of the plane. Actually, Alex doesn't. They kept him from doing that, I think. Um, and Wolf is the last to go, and he's, like, scared and not, like, afraid of doing it, and, like, he freezes. And Alex knows that if he doesn't jump out of the plane, like, MI6 is going to, like, cut him off. I don't know if they're going to kill him, but, like, you know, they're he's done. Basically. His career's done. His career's over. Yeah. So Alex pushes him out of the plane, and like Wolf is afterwards very thankful, like to Alex about it. Like Wolf has more emotional growth than Alex does yeah. this whole whole book. Like he's uh, a character who actually undergoes <laughs> like, a journey. Yeah. <laughs> he goes but, from like bitter, angry, annoying. Yeah. To like, to like oh, I sabotaging a fourteen year old. Like I'm sorry. Yeah. You know, thank you for saving my career. 
And Alex is the whole time like, yeah, whatever. What's also funny is that he was so afraid of, like, I feel like he could have easily gone where, like, Wolf was like, what, why would you push me out of the plane? Like, yeah, it, he could have seen it as an attempt on his life yes. or something like that. I mean, like, I know they were supposed to, they had parachutes on and they were supposed to be, you know, but, like, what if Wolf was so paralyzed with fear he couldn't pull his parachute yeah. in time? Like, yes. maybe <laughs> yes. he could have come across with that, too. So it was a bit weak. It's lucky for everybody that they were on the same page about Alex's intentions there. Yeah. Um, and that Wolf was able to pull his chute. Um, but anyway, so that that's all I have to say about the training camp. I don't really think that there's anything else. Yeah, then they're like, for. oh, it's been a couple weeks. We have to put you in now. Yeah. So, bye. He gets gadgets. He gets oh, gadgets. The gadgets Actually, are, that's my that favorite That was always part. my favorite part. That was always my favorite part, yeah. the gadgets. He gets, what, three or four? He gets a, basically a video game thing that if you put in different cartridges, they do different things. Like, one can, like, x-ray through walls if you put it against it and you can like listen in on things you uh, can like photocopy or scan things oh yeah and send them things. to yeah and like send them to mi6 and then uh there's probably other things then he gets a tube of zit cream um which i think he takes offense to when he receives it or um, even if he doesn't like the guy says no offense to you but yeah we just yeah. figured it would be it would make sense for yeah a boy it, of your age to have something like this on you so it would be suspicious but it's and i'm like, like yeah, 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 I know. But it's actually a goo that, like, eats through, like, metal and other substances, but not human flesh. So you can put it on your finger and, like, put it on something and it's gonna, like, do its thing. Which I think is pretty That's dang cool. Yeah. What else is there? Oh, um, one of the cartridges, cartridges is a bomb. So, like, you can only use it once. Yeah. And then I think he's also got, like, that... Oh, the yo-yo. It's a yo-yo, but it, the string is just, like, super, super strong. Yeah. So... He uses all of these things at least once. And he's disappointingly unimpressed by, like, all of them. He doesn't For care. Real. No, he doesn't care at all. And I'm, I'm like, whoa, that's so cool. And that's, like, again, it's one of those things where it's, like, you feel like as the reader, you're supposed to think, oh, that's super cool. But then, but then he doesn't he think it's cool. And you're like, supposed to be, like, oh. above it all. Like, he, he's not only, he, he can't get angry or scared or upset or whatever. He can't even be, like, excited or interested or curious. He's making me feel bad for being excited and right. curious. You get the sense that he's just supposed to be so above it all that, like, even the reader feels bad for, like thinking things are cool, like, because he's too cool for school. Literally. Literally. Because he's also not in school during any and of the, he, he's in school, the one day that we see him before he goes to uh, find the, uh, his uncle's car, after that he's not in school, they pulled him out of school. And that honestly just makes him, like, really annoying as a yeah. character, because it's just like, I want to emotionally connect with these characters, I don't want to have- And what's going on, like, I yeah. want to connect with what's- the characters and what's going on. I want to feel alongside a character. I want a character to grow. Okay, two things. When we previously, we talked about um, in the Twilight episode, yeah. we talked about how um, sometimes people think Bella is a really bland character. Yeah. And there's also a thing that sometimes people say to defend or to explain characters who seem very bland. Um as characters you're supposed to insert yourself into oh, right. and create your own idea of who they are that's like your identity so that you can identify with them and then like be the character in the story and how I don't know if people actually do that out there but it's not how I read and I prefer to have a character who's well established as their own person yeah. so I could experience them and how they think and how they feel yeah. and connect with that because it Otherwise, might Otherwise I'm just it feels disjointed. It feels yeah and it, it, it and it just like, there's not, nothing for me to connect to. I, yeah. I don't want to be the character. Yeah, like, I'm not connecting to the story specifically. I'm yeah. connecting to the character going through the story. And especially because 
there is sometimes a feeling of like a character like Alex is supposed to be the everyman, but he's not. He's, not. he's a white upper middle class British boy. And most of the people who has, in the world... Who's had tons of access to things like martial arts training and yeah, other things. So it's like, <laughs> actually, most of the people in the world who could potentially read this book are not actually that. Right, so in theory, it would make sense for us to be living vicariously through him. Rather than watching him experience the wonders of a zit cream that can eat through metal... But that's what I'm saying is and like you can't care. really live vicariously through him yeah, without the saying. connection, yeah, that's what without I'm without being brought brought into his world as like okay, this is a very specific person, right? With a specific perspective. Instead, it's almost like we're supposed to just understand his perspective automatically, yeah. which and I don't, we don't because... because we're not that. Yeah, and but like, and they also don't even explain like there's no backstory far enough in his childhood to explain how he became this way. If this is the way he's right. supposed to be like you know it, right that's one thing like if i've seen his progression that could change how i feel seeing him in this scenario and not reacting like i can understand why he's not reacting to, but i don't understand why he doesn't think any of these things are cool exactly it just it feels like almost like it ends up being condescending to the reader mm -hmm. because it's like are we not supposed to think this is cool yeah. i don't you know um but, uh, all right and uh yeah. the other thing i wanted to reference okay. is um, we also talked about in multiple other videos, but also, um, I am number four. Oh, yes. The idea of, of specificity, making a character feel more real and more well-rounded and how we felt like that story was lacking some of that. And it was also lacking some emotional attachment in some ways, but not for lack of trying. Yeah. I think the difference between this story and that story is that that story was trying to forge an emotional connection and was trying to establish a character. I just don't think it necessarily... It wasn't the most successful, but I think it's did a good job still, it. it still brought me in more emotionally. Yeah. Because there was, you could, you could see that it was there. Mm -hmm. But this, this novel just cuts that off completely yeah. and doesn't even try to approach it and again it might be a convention of the genre but in that case i would say i'm not interested in reading any other yeah. novels of the genre yeah. because what i want from a story is a character i can witness i can grow with i can experience emotions through yes and this is just not that and it's just not that yeah okay so now i think it's time for us to move to the actual mission, which is he gets sent to Herod's cell for like, I think he's got like two or three days. Yeah, it's very short. To figure out what is going on. And I think they gave him instructions, which he definitely ignores. At, like if he thinks he's in danger or they or something, then like to tell them and they'll get him out. But he definitely ignores that. He ignores pretty much anytime pretty anyone much gives it. him instructions, he just ignores Anybody. Them. Yeah. <laughs> Including Herod's cell, like this guy that you know is potentially and is an actual like scary evil villain like yeah okay alex it's fine so immediately upon showing up he meets herod sale we get a description from alex are you gonna read i it? wanna yeah. yeah we get a description of of herod from alex's perspective which goes completely in line with uh mr blunt's description of Herod's sale in terms of its, you know, I don't want to say racist qualities, but I am going to. It's it's a little uncomfortable. I'm just still looking for it. Really quickly, um, 
because I just scrolled through it. Um, I'm looking through the book right now, and uh, I the the chapter where Alex gets his uh, gadgets before he goes on his mission is called "Toys Aren't Us." So because he's so above it, he can't get into it. Um, the only there's no other reason to title it that. The only other thing I can think of in terms of like why Alex refuses to be impressed by anything is because I think he is bitter about MI6 like trying to control his life. So. I'm like, yeah, that's but fair. But again, it doesn't go in as, as much on, it doesn't go in enough on his internal thought process and emotions around that to yeah. really feel that connection. Well, one of the other things that happens immediately upon Alex meeting Herod Sale, besides it's getting his description, is that Alex introduces himself as Alex when he is supposed to introduce himself by a different name. And so Herod is immediately suspicious and is like, what? I thought your name was whatever. And Alex is like, oh, no, but my friends call me that after the soccer star I like. And, uh, yeah. So. So he's doing great. He's, he's doing great. He's an excellent he's spy. An ex so. Excellent spy. I mean, to be fair, he didn't want to do this. And he is, yeah. like, But, like, that says to me, maybe you're not taking this seriously yeah. enough. <laughs> you're immediately going to forget your cover story name. <laughs> so a few notable things aside from that around his introduction to Herod Sale. Um, first of all, the first thing he sees when he is like brought into the facility and into the room where he's about to meet Herod Sale is he sees a giant tank. Oh yes, with a an enormous jellyfish in it. Um, Simone jellyfish, which is the single most awesome and repulsive thing Alex had ever seen, which is one of the rare moments where we get some kind of judgment yeah. from him that tells us a little bit about what he finds interesting. Yeah, um, apparently it's giant jellyfish. Yeah, who knew? And uh, it's a it turns out to be a Portuguese man of war jellyfish. Um, but then uh, this is how we are introduced to Herod Sale. So he comes into the room and. Uh, his description is thus. His skin was dark and his teeth flashed when he smiled. He had a round, bald head and very horrible eyes. The gray pupils Yeah. The gray pupils were too small, surrounded on all sides by white. Almost like everyone has whites of their eyes. Uh, Alex was reminded of tadpoles before they hatch. When Sale stood next to him, the eyes were at the same level as his and held less warmth than the jellyfish. So a few things here. He had a round, bald head and very horrible eyes. Just like very horrible eyes is a very juvenile way to describe. Yeah. Like I, I don't love that. I just, I don't love that. It's very descriptive. Like it's, a, it's trying to be very descriptive. Yeah. But also, I'm uncomfortable with. There's a lot of emphasis going forward on Sales' kind of body structure. Yes. Being short, being round. There's a lot of emphasis on body structures, actually. Yeah. Um, that is a little uncomfortable. And it does feel like, again, like the stereotype of... Anyone who's not like a straight-sized body is torn apart. Yeah. And for lack of... Like, including the guy who gives Alex the um, the gadgets. Like, he's also othered in that way. Um, yeah, and a lot of the women get the description yeah. of being, like, broad and masculine mm -hmm. and, like... A lot of the women. There are two. Yeah. Three, if you count them. the librarian that I think in that town that he's yeah. in. Yeah. And, like stoic and cold. sorry four because i forgot about jack but she's barely in it so yeah <laughs> i will say not a lot of adults get off looking great no in the story like, literally looking great <laughs> yeah um but it is it's disheartening to see the stereotypes of like what people will use to yeah. denote a bad character yeah an amoral and character a lot of it is just very physical yeah 
Um, and that continues when we meet Sales Associates. Associates. Um, his like right hand man is a man named Mr. Grin, who's like his butler. And he's got like the Joker scars. Yeah. And um apparently his tongue was cut out. So. Because he used to be in the circus and he did knife right. juggling. And he had an accident with that. And so he can't speak. And he's considered, like, it's hard, hard, hard to look at him. And again, it's, like, the use of, of disfigurement as a, a, something to denote other. So we have... Dark-skinned man. A dark-skinned man from Egypt who is the villain yeah. of this story. And an associate with scars on his we'll face. A henchman. A henchman with, with scars on his face who can't speak. And then a German, a German woman... woman who... who wears yellow lipstick for no apparent reason, and it's just kind of uh, like a stereotypical, stoic, like, s- scary German villain. Woman. Yeah, and so hair pulled back, and you know, it's just again, it's like it's offensive in the way that all stereotypes are, but it also just feels like it's it's just the conventions of the genre at the time were this. These were yeah. the people who were always the villains, and. They are. And they are in this as well. Yeah. And so it's not great from either a writing perspective or just the perspective of... Or a reading perspective. A reading perspective. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, okay. So basically, I don't know how much detail we want to get into his various little, like, missions that he goes on within this mission. Because he gets around a lot. They stick him in a room with this computer for hours at a time and like leave him there on the first day and they're like don't go anywhere but he does he does he leaves the room and like he does find finds a ton like he goes really far and finds a tunnel and like finds a lab and and, like because he looked through his like game boy or whatever it is and he can see through um and he can tell it's a lab but then he like gets found by like the german woman vol yeah yeah he gets found by her like so far away from where he was supposed to be and he's like i was looking for a bathroom and like she knows that that's not true like i don't know he's just like so nonchalant and like kind of a little rude when he's like trying to cover his tracks i'm like dude (laughs) we get the idea pretty early on that like these people first of all i mean backing up to when he first meets sale well, actually, no, because I think this happens in the first night. So this is after he's already tested out the computer yeah. and interacted with Bull. And, like, there's already suspicions around him. Yeah. Like, he's already behaving suspiciously. He gives the wrong name. Yeah. Then he's, like, makes up a blame excuse for being where he's not supposed to be. Like, so far away from where he's not supposed to be. Yeah, and he's kind of rude about it. And yeah. So he doesn't even, like, try to, like, act like he's this yeah. boy who's, like... In, really into the computer no. that he's being shown and really and just there for that purpose like he's he's not a very good spy also, like, the computer system is supposed to be some like revolutionary thing for learning um and so alex is using it and like is partially impressed by it and like partially bored i think i think he uses it for math science and history yeah so but it is also this nebulous like oh computer system what is it like, you know that if this was written nowadays it would be like a vr it'd be an ai thing or, like, or whatever yeah um, ai vr whatever this was, you know early early yeah, 2000s so yeah. yeah but i don't know and so it's called the stormbreaker oh yeah way. it's called the stormbreaker. So that's why this stormbreaker computer, so. yeah anyway you were gonna say something i'll leave what i was gonna say for a little while okay so um another thing is that pretty early on sale is 
established as as like just unflinchingly like sinister character. Alex does go back and forth in his mind though about him because he's like, well, he's I don't really I don't like the way he looks, yeah. <laughs> and I don't and he he gives me off vibes. But also his computer system is cool. And it is really generous that he would give this to all these public schools yeah. for free. So maybe he is okay. That's like to Alex's credit, he at least goes through some analysis with that. Yeah, he's <laughs> like, I'm actually not sure. Yeah. Um, but then dinner the first night. Yeah. Um, a few things happen. And first of all, this is further establishes sales character. So first of all, there's what they have for dinner. Um oh, yeah. Maybe this is the lamb. Is this the mutton? This is the goat. Goat. Yeah. There's a goat curry, goat stew, something like that. Something like that. There's like a a moment that frustrated me where it's just like... Use your glasses. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot. I don't have to do it like this. <clears throat> so, basically they're having dinner and it's a stew. And we don't really get any description of the stew until uh, Sale asks Alex... How is, how is the goat? And Alex's response is, I'm sorry. And Sale says, the stew is goat meat with, with spinach and lentils. It was a recipe of my mother's. And before I read the next line, I'm just thinking, oh, that sounds pretty good. Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> cool. <laughs> but then Alex's response is, she must have been an unusual woman. And then I realized, oh, it's that, meant that's supposed to be weird. To be weird. <laughs> because it's goat. But I guess I've had enough, like, Middle Eastern food or like, I'm also like restaurants where goat is served on the menu and yeah I mean I also feel like it tastes different enough where Alex should have clocked that it wasn't a right. meat that he normally has and he's not just finding out that it's something he hasn't had before right now like <laughs> and again there's no like Alex doesn't even think he doesn't think he doesn't it's weird think until he's until told he knows it's goat yeah so there's not <laughs> even like a which is like that's such a childish thing like yeah there's not even such, there's I mean, not even a, a moment where he actually thinks about how it tastes at all. He has there's no observation after this point. Like it's literally just pointed out as yeah. another thing to make sale other to and make like him weird. weird. And I'm like, that's you're doing it wrong. And it's just like I get like <laughs> ah ah. <laughs> it's just not great. It's not. It's not. Um. So yeah. Again, it's 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 offensive. Of course, especially by the standards that we have today of, like, just cultural, like, respect. Yeah. Like, but also just, like, the, it, there's no character work done here where, where Alex has a moment to decide if he actually does or does not like the stew. Yeah. Or describe it in any way. There's no sensory detail about yeah. what eating it is like. There's no critical thought put, put into, hmm, like, do I actually like this or do I not? <laughs> Nothing. Yeah. It's just it's meant to be another annoying. detail to other sale. Um... So from there, they play a really tense game of snooker where they bet on it. And this is where Sale's major inferiority complex yeah, is put on out. full display. And he becomes just a very, he, I mean, he's already kind of a character caricature. He becomes like a bigger caricature of just like some guy who was bullied in school, became a massive billionaire to feed this kind of insecurity that he yeah. has and boost himself up but he can't get past that and he still he has to beat everyone he has to have the upper hand in every situation or else he behaves like a child yeah. basically and so that's what we learned from that yeah um because he because alex turns out to be better at snooker than he thinks he will be and he 
beats him or almost beats him. I think he beats him. I think he beats him. And obviously Sale just like can't handle it. And he like... Doesn't pay off some money or anything. Yeah. But anyway. So that's day one. I think day... He does, he does some little quest that night where he... I don't know. Does he do something that night? Um, he finds, he a, finds map a map that Ian left. That Ian left. Because he's staying uncle. in the room where yeah, Ian yeah. stayed. And but he, did, he, sent, he doesn't know what it means. He sends it to MI6. They don't know what it means. Um, they're really no help. They're not, yeah. <laughs> uh, then he, the next day, he's like, put on the Stormbreaker again. But like, it's boring to him today. And also not for that long. Because then they all have to be shipped out. So, and his, so yeah. this contest where he gets to test it out first... The kid would have won, like, a day and a couple hours of playing on this computer. Like, yeah. not even. Um, Probably what, what the kid ends up, what he ends up getting to do instead of yeah, this. Like, they send him on a vacation of, or yeah. something to Scotland. I don't know. Yeah. Um, probably better than, <laughs> than this experience. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's just, like, I think at this point, Alex's perspective on sale is pretty negative in terms yeah. of, like, okay, he's shown his true colors. He's not really a mature guy. I still don't know what's yeah. going on and he's like witnessed some things and heard some overheard some things that make him more suspicious yeah. and obviously there's the map that Ian gave him but he still doesn't know exactly what's yeah. happening and I don't remember the sequence of events but he sneaks out and sees Vol and the Mr. Green guy <laughs> Vol and Mr. Green are like out getting a shipment uh, and but Alice can't tell what it is but like he sneaks out and he's able to like see them receiving the shipment and he sees a guy drop a box and everybody's like so scared and, and then, then that guy gets guy shot shoots him yeah, yeah the, oh and at this point I think Alex knows that Yasin Grigorovich is an assassin he's seen like his yeah, picture yeah so and so he sees Yasin Grigorovich there and he's like that assassin is there Why? which was like MI6's main tie to okay Harry Sale is sus because he's been working with Yasin yeah. Grigorovich and we find out as the reader because there's some asides where like we're from the perspective of like the other MI6 agents that Yasin actually was responsible for maybe Ian Ryder's death and maybe his, his parents, parents yeah. death but Alex doesn't know this yeah yet. so you know and he sees the guy drop the box and everybody's scared and then Yasin Grigorovich is like the guy's like I won't do it again and Yasin Grigorovich is like you won't bang and like that guy's dead yeah so like that happens but I don't think anyone sees him. He gets back safely. I think Yasin Grigorovich is my favorite character. Okay. He's hardly in it. But I know, yeah, but yeah, I think well, he's, okay. like, my favorite. Sure. We'll talk about that a little Because yeah. he comes back. So then um, then there's a point where, like, they are getting suspicious of him, and we know because he, uh, well, he goes to the library and meets with the librarian in town, and she, like, recognizes his uncle's name, and was like, oh, yeah, like, he was here all the time and then Alex finds a book that it's like the map leads to the, the book yeah the map leads to the book and then he finds like what the map overlays in the book and so he's like oh there's a tunnel system I gotta go through so he's on his way back to like go through the tunnel system but then he gets like intercepted by guys on oh yeah because I think Vol told him before he went out it was like oh Herod thought it would be good if you went for oh a walk. yeah she's like go and for so a of walk. course I'm reading this and I'm like obviously they're setting you up yeah like and Alex Herod's like, been they've all been okay. suspicious of Alex yeah. since he arrived basically yeah. so, so obviously like, you're setting they're fine. setting him up so I'll go for a walk yeah so he does and then these guys on like these quad quad bikes bikes 
Yeah. yeah, are like chasing him down and trying to kill him. And I think Alex ends up accident- accidentally killing them. At least one of them. There's a I couple. Think, yeah. Moment where moments where it's, it seems like in 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 attempt to get away from people, Alex inadvertently kills people. But it's like made so that like usually like their own incompetence ends up yeah. getting them killed or like the circumstances. But like he so has zero feeling about. Well, there's only mo- mo- a moment or two where he has the opportunity to directly kill someone, and yeah. I think he doesn't. He refuses to do that, like pull the yeah. trigger on someone. No, but like he does, he does not have feeling about inadvertently causing death. No, in an attempt, like not even like a, oh, I'm glad I survived, but like, oh my god, now that which, person's dead. Which like, I, I remember he's been trained in like martial arts and things like that. But he, it's not like he's been mentally trained to be a no, spy. No, no. Mentally accustomed to the idea of death. Like, in in close quarters, I mean, like, obviously, he's experienced death in his, like, personal life with his parents and his uncle. Yeah, but, he's but like, not he like, hasn't cost it. Yeah. <laughs> that we know of, I guess. Yeah, yes. Um But yeah, so, so that's interesting. But he gets away from those guys. That was also, like, a pretty good, act, well-written action scene, I think. Um... Then comes, like, one of the most tense things where he actually goes in the freaking tunnel system. He's got to go underwater. Like this his is uncle where we get some of his a... fear. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, same, dude. Like, yeah. Because he, he's going through the tunnel. It's super, super dark. Then he comes to this point where, like, it's all water. His uncle had, like, left a wetsuit that he used. And it's freaking cold. And Alex is like, he's got to basically hold his breath underwater and follow a string that his uncle set up and, like, hope he makes it. And he doesn't know where it's going he to. He doesn't know where it's going or how long really he's going to be underwater. So he just does it. Yeah. And this holding your breath underwater thing comes up again. Not too oh, does, long after. But yeah, so like he makes it through and then he gets into the lab. The lab that he found. We mentioned it earlier. Vol found him outside the lab. He was like looking in with his Game Boy and whatever. He finds his way into the lab. Like that's where the tunnel leads. And so then he starts to realize like what they've been like manufacturing in the lab. Yeah. Which doesn't add up to me because they received the shipment. So I think actually I think the lab is just where they're putting the computer together. The computer together. And in the computer they're inserting uh, smallpox. A specifically manufactured version of smallpox that is really quick and will kill you, infect you and kill you instantly. And that's what's inside all these computers that are going to be distributed to school children. To school children. Herzl wants to kill them all with smallpox. That is horrific because the thing is, like, it's like not just like oh they'll die, but it's like okay, like like it's it a is, pretty horrible death. Yeah, and and he wants to do it. Well, okay, so Alex gets like found, like he's trying to not be found, but he gets found, and then like brought to Herod sale and this is where he does his villain speech and reveals his plan yeah of course you gotta um, have the monologue yeah so. so basically the plan was or the the issue was he was in school with the prime minister and the prime minister was a bully mm-hmm. and now he wants to get back at the prime minister by, by... killing all the school children <laughs> basically in because England. he's like He's like, I will, I'm giving these computers to the prime minister. He's going to press the button that will unleash the smallpox. So even though these are my computers that I am, and I'm clearly responsible for this, somehow it will reflect badly on him because I. 
And I mean, like, it made would, him do it. And but like, also, it, yeah. she's not the main person responsible. Right. Like, it's still going to incriminate her in sale. Yeah. Like, it's still going to be obvious that he's the one who right. did this. And so then here's where my thing comes in. I'm like, biggest freaking plot hole in this whole thing. He was, if Herzl was always planning to, like, basically use these computers to kill students. One, he didn't, I don't think he needed to manufacture all, like, working computers or even a whole working, like, Stormbreaker breaker prototype. He could have just, like, d shown a video about what it did and, like, didn't need to go through all of the actual, like, making it an actual working computer system that is some sort of marvel of technology. He didn't have to do that. And two... He really didn't have to host someone who won a contest two days before to check out the computer system and get their feedback on it because who cares? It doesn't make any sense. I don't even know if it, like, I don't even care if that's supposed to be more realistic. Like, I think they said, like, the magazine hosted the contest, a magazine hosted the contest or whatever. He could have just been like, no, I don't want to do that. Yeah. I. That's fine. Like, it is, like, it doesn't make any sense that so much effort would have gone into this only for him to like because like no one is actually going to use these computers for anything other than dying <laughs> like, like. i mean especially like it's especially with how destructive his plan is like i don't know maybe the smallpox we don't get in details in, on this but no. maybe the smallpox kills people so quickly that it's not going to spread beyond the school classroom before everyone dies but I also think, like I think that was sort of the implication because I think he like wanted all the adults to be sad <laughs> without <laughs> children I don't know that's uh, I think I remember that something like that but it's all it's just like it's so weird, it's so weird. That, that he would go into all of this effort to create an actual working functioning thing that is pretty cool yeah and then just like nuke it like this like unless it was a last minute decision because the prime minister like said something that offended his sensibilities so much that it reminded him of his school days yeah, like he, maybe but it but that, we don't get anything. There's about nothing like that. that. Yeah. yeah, it seems like this was the plan from the beginning. So, um, yeah, that's I'm like mm, this. None of this had to happen. I'm just saying. Yeah. But, okay, it's fine. Um, then there's a weird moment where Vol, while Alex is like tied up in this room, and then Herod yeah. is like, okay, like I don't know, he leaves, and Mr. Green or something leaves, and and Vol comes in while he's tied up, and like pretends that she was working with Ian Ryder for a moment. So for a second, for a second, I was like, oh, wait, I forgot about this part. She's working with them. Yeah. But then literally for no reason, plays like, the bait and switch. And then like immediately after though, like there's no, I don't know. It, it's like a page later, like not even that she's immediately again, working for sale. And I'm like, why even bother? Why pretend? Like, why just, why not just so many, strong arm him? Yeah. Why not just have someone throw him in the fucking tank? Sorry. Yeah. He ends up in the tank, but she's just... Cause she, with, the with the jellyfish. Yeah, but just because she, like, tricks him into going up to a door that leads into it, like, not... Yeah. Which, it, there's, again, unnecessary. Unnecessary. So then we get another kind of horrific yeah. moment, which actually, uh, one of the most memorable moments of the book, next to that car scene and the underwater holding his yes. breath. So he's in the tank, and obviously... He, the, the main idea is either the jellyfish is going to get him or he's going to run right. out of energy and stop being able to tread water and drown. Um, so it is a pretty horrific, suspenseful moment. And then Mr. Grin comes back and it's both him and Vol like leering yeah, at, like him at him from the, through, the the, through the glass. And this is where finally we get him, uh, we get a moment where he gets to use the zip cream 
that he has, which for some reason they have to wait until he's like underwater to use it. And he's like, I hope it'll still work. Um, yeah, but know. he remembers that he has it. And so he's able to get a hold of it. And guess what? It works. Yay! It works. And it breaks the tank open. And then we have a horrific moment where after the water all gushes out and it's a very dramatic, like he's like tumbled out of the tank. Um, he's lucky he doesn't like get impaled by yeah, some glass. Yeah. That always like, Ooh, when there's like water and glass and like mixed yeah. together, it always like makes me like, yeah, gross. But also, he looks over at the rest of the room once he gets his bearings, and he sees that the jellyfish has landed on top of Vol. Yeah, and, and so... there's a horrific description of her like twitching yeah. body under the jellyfish. So she's dead. So yeah. So I, one thing I will say is like you know Chekhov's jellyfish. If you establish that there's a Portuguese man of war jellyfish that can painfully kill someone involved in the story, then you do have to have someone die painfully by the tentacles of the Portuguese man of war yeah. jellyfish. And so that's what happens. So that's what yeah. happens with that. That's the payoff there. Alex, Alex basically has to like run and catch up with Sale and everybody because they are leaving for the like button ceremony where the <laughs> prime minister is going to push the button and like release like all those computers have been shipped at this point they're all in their respective uh, uh, schools. schools and um, like there's like an hour until the prime minister is supposed to push the button and somehow Alex is like gonna get there in time and I mean he does but so then so he basically like like follows Mr. Grin onto the tarmac of Aroma. Everyone else has already taken off and like gone where they need to go. But like Mr. Grin is late for some reason. I don't know. And uh, he uses the yo-yo with the really strong rope and like again Chekhov's gun set up and payoff. He, he gets to use yeah. all of his gadgets. Yeah. He's also used all of the video games at this point. There's like one yeah. left that he hasn't used. Yeah, and um, so he like attaches it to the airplane or he shoots it up at the airplane he's like driving behind it in a car chasing after it and he shoots it up at it and like gets oh it's a belt thing and like it yeah and then it yanks him up like and then he's like dangling off of the airplane yeah and like slowly being reeled in and like gets into the plane because i think it's like a cargo plane so maybe the back of it is open or something, something like that and then now he's in the plane and like mr grin is there and like think alex has a gun and is like keep flying or I'll kill you. Yeah. But like, he doesn't want to do that. He's not going to do that. Yeah. Well, until. Well, yeah. <laughs> so then like, it's like, uh, Mr. Grin does take the plane to the Round place where the um, Prime Minister is going to press the button and Harry Sale is. And, and I forget. I think, oh yeah, Alex manages to find a parachute. It all comes back around to the jumping out of the plane, which he didn't even get to do previously, but yeah. now he gets to jump out of the plane. So he gets the parachute on, jumps out of the plane, and then uh, Mr. Grin, like, keeps flying and then turns the plane around to try to come after him. Oh, yeah. But this is where Alex uses that last cartridge, which he left on the plane so that he could press the button on the his Game Boy, Game Boy and the plane explodes. So he... Yeah, so kills he, he kills Mr. Like, Grin. Yeah. So and he doesn't he, think twice about it. Yeah, and then he lands on the roof of I think it's like the science museum or something like that. Well, it doesn't land on the roof of it. He crashes through the glass part of the roof, right? Yeah. So, but like, here's my thing: is like this he has a gun good, still. With yeah. Him. There's a timing thing, and and we will get to that gun. But 
like there's a whole timing thing here where like he's like still like flying like parachuting down which i don't believe happens that quickly and like the clock is striking 12 which is when the prime minister was supposed to push the button so like for all he knows he is now late like and for all intents and purposes, he should have been late. Like, for, for some reason, like, when he crashes down into the thing, Prime Minister has not hit the button yet. And it does go back and forth, I think, between, like, per the perspective at the event and his perspective coming into the event. And so you have that moment of, like, Herod giving his speech and being like, and, and this is all the responsibility of the Prime yeah. Minister here. He is responsible for this great feat of technology that we are giving to schools. And yeah. Uh, and I sure do remember our school days, and they were great. And the prime minister was like visibly confused by this. It's like, okay. um, and and then we have yeah, and then we have the moment where before he like is about to press the button, and then Alex, <laughs> Alex is apparently a crack shot too because he like crashes through, shoots. He's hanging there like his parachute got stuck, and he takes the gun and he like shoots the button, and then he shoots Herod Sale because Herod Sale was reaching for the button or something like that. Like, I, and, and I'm like, I no. Like there was what? a thing where he was training at MI6 where it's like they were debating whether they would teach him how to shoot a gun, and I thought they decided not to. So I'm like, how did he? Or maybe they did. I don't know. But I don't know. It doesn't. Yeah, <laughs> it, it was like weird because it was like it. It's it's framed at first as if like oh Alex just like opens fire on the room below, yeah. but then it's like he fired six bullets. One of them hit this person. One of him, them hit that. One of them hit the prime minister's hand. Yeah. One of them hit. Two of them hit Herod Sale, and yeah. it's like oh, so he like aimed purposefully. Yeah, and I'm like okay, that's a little op, Alex. It, it is. It really is. <laughs> like it really is. Like I'm, yeah. So anyway, that happened. Um, and then like Mrs. Jones or Doctor Jones, Mrs. Jones. I think it's just Mrs. Jones from MI6. Like manages to stop her people from shooting him because she recognizes him and she's like don't shoot yeah because everyone thinks he's like because alex alex expects to be like shot down yeah. fully and then that all like fades to black and then it's like after the fact mi6 is like great job alex we're probably gonna use you we're again gonna you he's, a like, peppermint. <laughs> he's like they're like yeah you know we'll call on you again and he's like yeah, i'd rather not, not. Yeah. And, and they're like, like well too bad. You've got no choice. But Jack can stay in the country for now. And you so. don't have to leave your school that you apparently like, even though... You don't have any... Oh, well, okay, we'll get to that. I had a thought, but we'll get to that yeah. in a second. And then, like, basically the end of the book is, like, he... Oh, yeah, Herod Sale got away. Herod Sale got away. Alex is leaving, I think, MI6? Or is he leaving school? I'm not sure. I think he left MI6. I think he left MI6. And Herod Sale, like, pulls up in a... He takes a he decides to take a taxi, which yeah. is weird for him because normally he just walks. Like yeah. there's a lot of moments where he just wa yeah. walks. He decides to take a taxi, and like it's Herod Sale, an injured Herod Sale at the wheel, and um, he like what does he get into? Like he brings him somewhere and gets to a, him bu a building to the top of a building. Yeah, and and he's like obviously doing his whole I'll get you. I'm yeah, gonna make you pay yeah. for this. And then like Yasin Grigorovich like shows up in a helicopter. Yeah, shoots Herod Sale and it's like they didn't tell me to kill you so I won't. And I think <laughs> Alex has just been informed of Yasin's connection oh, yeah. to his uncle's death or he like puts together somehow that it doesn't really make sense but Alex has that moment of like you killed my parents and my uncle but he doesn't like there's again no like. It's not like I just have this burning hatred. No, it's he's more just, just like, like I guess I have to. This is the fact of like what you yeah. did. Yeah, 
and then there's this moment of like respect between them where Yasin's like, I'm gonna let you, I'm gonna let you, you know, you turn your back on MI6 and you live your normal life, kid. I'm out of here. Yeah. And mm -hmm. you know that he'll show up again later. And it's like implied just by the fact that Yasin keeps showing up and that he does have this connection to Alex that there will be some kind of like connection where there, there's like maybe going to be like a vengeance thing of like yeah. Alex going to maybe but like but like we don't see there, again Alex, yeah. there's no feeling of like oh I'm so angry this man killed my family like yeah. it's really not enforced Alex yeah. just doesn't have any again there's nothing there yeah. so but I do like I like Yasin I mean he's like the the stereo again stereotype Russian spy whatever oh yeah he is Russian but I don't know if that was clear I I like that he's established as a cold-blooded killer, and I also like that he's established as... I know it's, again, the kind of simplistic and just, like, whatever, but I do like this moment he has of, like, being like, yeah, no, I only shoot down targets, you know? I yeah. only... I kill who I'm... I'm a killer, but I've killed. got code. He, he's, he's a killer with the code, and, yeah. and I like that. So you have one more thing you were going to say. I did... I had... So I had some final thoughts on ways to make... Aside from including more emotional and descriptive language around how Alex is feeling and establishing more specific connections with the characters he has around him, like ways that he emotionally connects with them and feeling like he actually does have an, at least an emotional investment in the storyline in terms of like his uncle's death or something like that. Another way to make there be more of an emotional through line and more stakes to this plot of him or more personal stakes because the stakes are obviously very high yeah but more personal stakes where you feel that connection deeply with alex is to simply have him have actual friends at school yeah that would be impacted by this plot to kill all the school children in england yeah and have those be people that he specifically wants to save because it's not that you can't understand why someone would feel the stakes of, I want to save all these school children. You don't have to have a personal connection no. to care about that. And but that you would imagine. is fine. But to just establish more of Alex's character, to establish more emotionality, to establish the personal Or if cost. he actually doesn't have friends, explain that part of it, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it's fine if he doesn't really have friends that he does care about. But, like, that should... Why? Why? Like What's that, that should be established. Like, yeah. How he... does that influence the way that he sees this whole plot? Like, I... does he have any personal feelings about this, the school children of England? Like, yeah. Harriet Sales clearly very affected by his experience at school. Alex so, is very, Alex not. Is very disaffected. Like, yeah. And it's almost like, like, almost like, I don't think this is like a conscious like thought on the part of the author or anything, but it almost feels like having emotions bad detached yeah. detachment emotionless good. guy yeah. good, like kid good like and and i think there's something too obviously like yeah you don't want to be someone who's so embittered by their experiences that you can't let go of this bullying that happened to you years ago and you have to carry out a genocidal plot right <laughs> like but <laughs> i think being a completely disaffected like unemotional teenager with Isolated, no yeah. connections to anything whatsoever that like except for his bike yeah maybe it just is it's not realistic but it's also just like not fun it's not yeah. interesting and and like emotions aren't bad 
Like, they exist in the human body and, like, experience for a reason. And, like, there are ways to experience them and go through them that don't lead you to becoming a genocidal maniac. Like, yeah. they're not the root of all so evil. So we could see so. Alex could be used as, like, a foil for Sale where, like, he, he, he even has, also has experience with bullies. We yeah. can see how he's, like, overcome that and, like, had a different experience in Sale and, like, has connections with his classmates despite obstacles and like you know uh, but no but no yeah and so that's where you could create a, a more emotionally interesting and dynamic character is by again like and this, therefore story the simple way would be having ha him have actual connections with other students in his school and have friends and people he cares about or even or, or even having like only just like negative connections with people where he maybe has those bullies that maybe he actually does have an attachment to in some way where he he can understand Sale's perspective, yeah. but then he's like, no, that's not right. That's still wrong. You know, like, that's yeah. still ridiculous. How could he want yeah. to do this, you know? And and just make him a more fleshed out character. And again, like, every character we've described has kind of either been a caricature. I think Alex is almost kind of a caricature, too, in his way where his, almost his detachment is cartoonish. Yeah. In in a way, because it's kind of unbelievable. And, and, and so, yeah, again, it's just a, no character really gets fleshed out. And... This is the first book, but it does feel like it's set up to be a serialized thing where it's not really built around the character development. It's built around what kinds of antics the characters get up to, what kind of situations the characters yeah. get into. And so it feels like the author could easily continue the story without much development from Alex. Yeah. But that's not to say that there isn't. We have only really done first books up to this point in our podcast. And so there have been times when we've brought things up that we maybe have problems with with books that might get resolved yeah. or might get elaborated on or addressed in later books that... i don't remember if this does actually yeah um, the only and thing because this is also a fine standalone book like you don't need to like continue it's, this... it, it yeah. sets it up for there to be more but like they're going to be you know story of the week not yeah or mission of the week not you know if there is any through line it would be character development but i genuinely cannot remember or the through line would be, like, him chasing down Yasin Grigorovich, which I think does happen. But again, I can't remember, and I don't remember the outcome of that. And I actually, one thing I do remember is I think one of the books introduces a girl that he knows that's, like, his only yes. other connection to a, uh, another character that, like... That might be the case. ...is yeah. outside of his yeah. spy life, where I think there... What I wanted to bring up with, like, the movie is that it kind of, it brings her into the, yes. the movie. There's, like, I think in, like, the fourth book or third book, there's this girl who we don't even get to meet. We don't even get to, like, witness him meeting her. It's just, like, someone she's, that he already knows yeah. that shows up to be relevant to the plot briefly. Yeah. And I remember, like, I was so excited by that because I was like, oh, finally, a connection. Yeah. Like, a friend, sort of. Uh, but I don't even remember it being that deep or yeah. that well explored. And in the movie for Stormbreaker, they bring her character in as someone he already knows to have this weird thing where she plays a role in, like, bringing him... Into... It's kind of shoehorned into the yeah. story, to be honest. But I guess... Th like, I think they are trying to do what I want them to do, which is establish more emotional yeah. connections for him. And, like, and again, Jack is also in the, the movie more. Like, she has a whole character, and you can yeah. see their relationship, which is nice, and, like... You know, there's some things that the movie does better. Yeah. But, but anyway, any other final thoughts? Uh, I, I mean, I feel like there's plenty more we could get into if we were aficionados of yeah. the spy genre, which we are not. Um, 
I think ultimately but, it's a fine read if you're, especially if you're into action, if you're looking for something uh, obviously with more emotional drive, this probably isn't the book for you, but it's a pretty quick read. So. And yeah. And with more depth too. Like if you're really not looking for depth and if you're just looking for a quick action read, it'll probably Go for it. do what you want it to do. But anything, if you want anything deeper from it, it's just not there. And I will say it's the kind of thing that makes me frustrated as a reader when I when I'm in the moment with the book. But again, I didn't I didn't I think this is the book that out of all of them, um, aside from the first one where there was a lot of like sort of problematic things we could go yeah. in on, like we we talked about that with this book as well. Um, but in terms of also just like the overall experience of reading the book, it's the one I I feel like I've had the most ambivalent to negative feeling about mm -hmm. because yeah. they're just it was just boring and yeah. I think sometimes that's almost worse than when something is bad yeah. or problematic because I at least there's so. a lot of interesting stuff to dig yeah. into and I felt like this this was frustrating for the lack of depth but if you've read it or you've read books like it and you want to let us know about your experience or what you think about um, the books of the genre and how it stacks up to other ones, please let us know because I'd be interested. Because again, these are this is our only experience with the spy genre. So it'd yeah. be interesting to hear some thoughts. But um, And if you like love this book or you have a really strong connection to the character or you had a different experience reading, let us know. And then, that would be you know, great to hear. Yeah, we, we'd love to, to see some more information yeah. about that. Or so. even more in-depth thoughts about some of the things that we found problems with or... Yeah. things that you feel like we didn't talk about um but otherwise thanks for watching uh you can find us on instagram at at read and repeat podcast so you can keep up to date on what we're putting out and find out when we release our next one um we're on spotify apple music or sorry apple podcast youtube google podcast you know all the wherever you're listening to or yeah. watching this on uh, and then more. So. And probably by the time this episode goes out, it will be into the new year. So happy new year. Yeah. Happy and new year. Hopefully uh, it's a good one. Yeah. Thanks for watching or listening. Bye. Oh, okay. Didn't mind. Didn't okay. Right. Fuck. I don't want to do it. Okay. Just do it. One thing every day that scares you. This is that Introducing thing. the podcast. In this first adventure, he has to take down a tech guy hell-bent on chemical warfare because of a childhood vendetta. All right, let's do this over. Okay. We always have to get it out of our Yeah, <laughs> and we also have to do a spoiler warning, too. Oh, fuck. Okay. Um, this is my twin sister, Taylor. This is the podcast where we talk about books that we read when we were younger. And we discuss them through the lens of our adultness. Sure, sure. <laughs> and uh, oh, thank you. I could have just used it the version just of so my phone. Everyone knows. Um, I can't see. Not, neither yeah, of us can, can see a right thing now. right now <laughs> uh, because we're trying to avoid the the ring light issue. And I forgot my contacts. Of having glasses and uh, having a ring light. It's really annoying when you're editing to see the ring in the glasses. Um, 
sure there's a way to avoid that. I don't know but of it. We're just not doing that right now. Yeah, we're just trying it out. So we can't see a thing. Um, okay. So to start out, I am reading this from my laptop right here. I don't know why I did that. That's like a yeah. product placement for HP. <laughs> and you just said it too. All right, maybe 